All right, ladies. Good morning, good morning, Impact Women. How's everybody doing today? We always try and give our um, moms a little extra time because they're getting their kids checked in. Um, last time, we had 74 of us in here and 78 in the nursery. So what a great turnout, powerful summer uh, for all of our Impact Women. And so we're excited to be here again today. We're going to go ahead and get started on our session two. Um, first of all, how's everybody doing? Doing good? All right. It's a special day. I will be sharing more about that in a little while. I would cover your prayers because sometimes those special days are also difficult days. But um, we're going we're gonna to get into the Word of God. There's nothing better than stirring things up. Um, especially with the Word of God. So let's just pray. Father God, we do love you. And we just invite your presence here. You're already here, but stir us up with your presence here. I thank you, God, that you are life to us. You are peace to us. You are strength to us when we're weak. And so we come just the way we are. And we just know that when we're weak, you are strong. And so we just thank you and we give you the glory and the honor in all that we say and do today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, you guys are so good about remembering your folders. Yay. I um, was talking with gals up here. I said, we made it nice and bright so it wouldn't blend in with anything else, right? It's a great summer color. So we're going to be doing this every week because you know what? We need to be able to receive all of who God says you are. And sometimes we forget because the world tells us something different or life comes at you and we begin to believe things that are not true, that don't line up with the word of God because the only thing that's really true is what the word of God says about you. Amen? All right, it's coming. Here comes the fire, ladies. I am an impact woman in your folder. We're going to read this together again because this is who you are. You walk through that door. If you've never been involved in women's ministry before, you have now become an impact woman because that is who God says you are. And this is what impact women are, and this is what we do. Can we read this together? It says, I am an impact woman. I am a woman of influence. I leave the thumbprint of God everywhere I go. Sorry, it's in your folder. <laughs> I lost you there, some of you. I, I am a woman of courageous faith. I have been impacted by the word of truth, and I will never be the same. I know who I am. I know whose I am. I belong to my father. My father is the king of kings and the lord of lords. I am his princess, treasured and precious. I belong to the sisterhood of believers in Jesus Christ. I operate in a spirit of wisdom and revelation through the Holy Spirit. I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of a stranger I do not follow. I pick up the sword of the Spirit and do battle in the heavenlies through prayer. My hope and confidence is in the Lord. Therefore, I will not be shaken. I am empowered by grace to love deeply because I am deeply loved. I am empowered by grace to forgive readily because I have been forgiven much. I am empowered by grace to boldly proclaim that I am the righteousness of God in Jesus. I no longer live for God, but live from God. When I speak, the law of kindness is on my tongue. I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Everything I set my hand to do prospers. I impact my world. I am an impact woman. Can you say amen? Amen, because that is who God says you are. Oh, goodness. I'm so excited to be with you this morning and excited to see all of you here. Who's here for the very first time? Because we've only had one session. Welcome. 
Okay, that's what we wanted. We wanted you to be able to jump in, jump out. Um, you know, this is summer in Michigan after all. So, um, you know, we're working to get that podcast up. We keep promising. So let's go through quick announcements here. Um, but the, what we're trying to do is post every one of these on the podcast. So if you miss them, we'll also post the um, worksheet that goes along with it. So did everybody pick up the worksheet for session two today? Okay, because they're always going to be at the welcome table. Okay, um, something else that you might be interested in this summer is that we, were, uh, we have a, a wonderful ministry headed up by uh, Lori Edgecombe. Raise your hand, Lori. And it's Patriotic Peacers, and they are sewing quilts for an organization called Quilts of Valor. And um, recently, she was awarded um, almost like a grant of, to be able to make these beautiful quilts that are going to cover uh, our veterans with comfort, those who have served, especially those who have served at the time of war. And they meet with the same schedule that we have here in the what room? I always forget. Purple room. Okay. She says, get a bite to eat afterwards, and um, they meet in there about 1 o'clock. If you're interested in getting uh, any kind of sewing in or, or helping with that or even just finding out what they're doing, check with Lori on that. All right, so we talked about podcasts. Okay, on your table tents, uh, always a good thing to snap a picture so you know what's coming up. Intercessory prayer is rescheduled from 9 to 10 uh, in the zone every Thursday morning. So um, they're the awesome, powerful prayer ladies who have been meeting for years and years, and you're welcome to join them in the summer. Then come here afterwards. June 14 and 28, 12 and 26, and August 9 are all the dates for this um, study. And August 13 is a fun night, ladies. We used to call it Girls' Night Out, but as you know, anytime you see impact, it's us. Woo, woo, impact women, right? Women's ministry. This is such a fun night. We invite River City Improv. And they, every year, just bring the house down. They're really a hoot. It's interactive, audience fun, clean humor, um, and they're, they're all Christians, so we just trust them to make us laugh in a really good way. But it's just a fun night. We have great food, um, lots of prizes, so you don't want to miss that. But we also use it as a chance to launch what's coming up in our 2018-2019 Women's Impact Ministry. So don't miss it. We do have um, tickets that are going to be on sale every um, Thursday morning impact. Deborah's waving her hand. They're $5. You can purchase them here or online. But we just want you to know this is something that we just love to do for fun. And I think girls sometimes just need a fun night out, don't you? All right. What else can I talk to you about? I think that's good. All right, let's get started. So last session that we were together, we talked about see it, believe it, receive it, seeing with the eye of our faith. It doesn't show up sometimes in our physical realm, but we talked about there being two realms. There's a spirit realm. There's a physical realm. We know that's true. There are spirits there are angels. There's the Holy Spirit. They're, they exist in the, in the spirit realm. There's the physical realm. That's where we live. It's anything that you can sense with your senses. But we did say that believers in Jesus Christ, we need to operate with that sixth sense, which is what? Faith. Thank you. <laughs> it is faith. It is another sense that we have and that we, we want to be able to take advantage of everything that Jesus already purchased for us. In Deuteronomy 1, 20 through 21, we find that the children of Israel, who once were slaves in Egypt, right? They started out in Egypt. They were slaves for years and years. Moses comes along. He's their leader. There's, there's plagues. There's frogs. There's bugs. There's darkness. There's all kinds of stuff going on. And finally, Pharaoh lets them go. And now they're free. But they're free to what? Wander in the desert. <laughs> okay, that doesn't sound so great. And boy, they didn't think it was always so great either. But here they are. We know the story. They wandered in the desert for how many years? 40. Do you know that had they gone straight from Egypt to the promised land, and they took a little detour because they had to worship at Mount Sinai. There were a couple things that they had to do before they got there. But literally on foot, it should have only taken them 11 days. It's not a 40-year trip, 
Okay? So when they said they wandered in the wilderness, they literally wandered in the wilderness. You ever feel like you're just wandering in your wilderness? <laughs> Going round and round and round. But what happened? This breaks my heart, and I wonder if it broke God's heart too. They literally arrive at the border of the promised land. Their feet may have been right next to stepping into all that God had promised them. And he said, it's a land of milk and flowing with milk and honey. And they're there. They can see it. They've been in the desert. It's, it's time to go in. And Moses says to them, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God gives us. We're here. And he says, behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Do you see it? Here it is. Here's your promise. Go up and possess it. As the Lord, the God of your fathers, has said to you, fear not, neither be dismayed. Do you know what they did? They said, um... Let's see. Hmm. I think we're going to send giants. Not giants. We're going to send spies first. Because apparently, we're not sure if this is the right land. And we're not sure if we're ready to possess it. And maybe we're just a little bit fearful. So we're going to make sure that God is good on his word. And we're going to send spies in first. And do you know this song? Twelve men went to spy on Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Sing along. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and tall. Some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God was in it all. Ten were bad and two were good. The majority said, oh, we can't go. There's giants in the land. How are we going to possess this land? And two said, we can go in. God is on our side. God's going to fight for us. He promised it. He's good to his word. Let's go. Well, that was just good old, who were they? Joshua, Joshua and Caleb. And do you know they're the only ones who lasted the 40 years in order to go in? By the time they did not possess the land, what was the problem? Was the promise given? Yes, they didn't trust their God. They saw giants. They were limited to their senses. They did not activate their sixth sense. God is faithful. God is good. God said he would fight for us. And they believed the ten spies. And that just overruled the two that came back with a good report. And they wandered and they wandered. They didn't have to wander. They could have possessed the land. Doesn't that just break your heart? They did not have to wander for 40 years, but after 40 years, every slave had died. And now there was a new generation, new generation that was looking and says, yes, we can possess the land. Ladies, are you that new generation? Did you say, yes, we could possess every promise? Our promised land is the promises that God has already given us through Jesus. He said... Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. There is not one spiritual blessing left undone. It's waiting for you to claim it. We need to learn how to go in and possess. Because that was the disconnect that I saw years ago. I said, God, I see your precious promises. I believe your word. But why don't I see them in my life? There's a disconnect here and it's not you. And so it's been a quest. It's been a journey. I don't want to wander in my wilderness for 40 years. I want to go in and possess the land. And that's kind of the fire that comes behind this study. It's already ours. And Ephesians 1.3 is really our launching scripture. It says, Blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. Every spiritual blessing has already been done. It's past tense. Now, it's time for us to go in and possess the land. We said last time, as believers, we're not trying to get something from God. We have this really strange picture of God sitting up on his throne, and you pray for something that is already a promise in the Bible. He goes, hmm, I don't know. Maybe not this time. Maybe she just 
needs to learn a lesson, a little bit of patience. I'm going to withhold just for a little while. Maybe when she asks the third, fourth, fifth time, I'll bless her. That's not our God. Jesus says it's finished, and guess what? He went down and sat down. <laughs> the work has already been done. The work has finished. The promise is waiting for you with your name on it. And we talked about how faith builds a bridge. Believing and trusting that God's word is true, and it's true for me. And I see that blessing. I see that blessing. I see that promise in the word of God. I want my promise land. God he says, go in. Go get it. It's yours. You don't have to be worthy. We'll never be worthy. Only by the blood of Jesus. Only because of the grace of God do we get to say, that's mine. And thank you, God, because I didn't deserve it, but you gave it anyway. That's our God. That's our God. Ah, end of review. <laughs> Let's move on. Today we're talking about enough faith. I almost named it Got Faith, and I just pictured the Got Milk commercials with a big milk mustache. But anyway, have you ever prayed for someone, yourself, or something, and you felt like you didn't get an answer to your prayer? You don't have to raise your hand, but I will. I have. I have. And sometimes we come up with some conclusions like, well, why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't this person get healed? Maybe I didn't pray hard enough. Maybe I should have been studying the word more. Oh, yeah, I really sinned last week. Maybe that's why I didn't see an answer to my prayer. Or maybe you say, I didn't have enough faith. I'm just going to guess that we've either heard it or thought it or believed it. So I want to address that today. I, I'm, on a, I, I'm on a rampage, ladies. <laughs> I think in the body of Christ that there is so much good teaching, preaching, and truth, but sometimes we believe two opposing things that can't possibly be true. It's like double talk. We talk out of both sides of our mouth. God is good. God is kind. He is wonderful. He is loving, but he killed my son. That doesn't exist on the same plane because that's not God. And he kills no one. Steal, kill, destroy, devil. I came to give life. Jesus. So we can't say both because both cannot be true. And I know sometimes we want to put it under the cloak and the heading of, you know, well, we'll never know everything there is to know about God. And that's true. But we can know what his word says. He made it very, very clear. So sometimes we have... A little adjusting to do in our believing as long as it lines up with the word of God. And that's why I want to address that not enough faith thing. What we may be saying and what we may be leaving is maybe we're really saying, maybe I didn't say the right words. Maybe I didn't believe strongly enough. Maybe I didn't pray hard enough or loud enough. Is that what it takes? But you know what we're doing? We're pointing all of our efforts on ourselves. Grace takes us out of the picture because God blesses us, not because we're so good, but because he is so good. And it's not dependent on how good you are. We will never be good enough. Now, that doesn't mean you grovel around like a worm and beat yourself up. You're an impact woman. That's not groveling, is it? That's who God says you are. That means you lift up your head and you say, God, I will receive everything that you have. I don't deserve it. I never will, but I'm going to receive it because that honors you. That honors the blood of Jesus. That honors the highest price that was paid so you can walk in a higher level of blessing. Anybody going there with me today? All right. So what does the word of God say about enough faith? It's not about being good enough. Let's just take that one off the table. That's the, dece the deception that the devil always uses. I love it when Paul says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Once you understand how the devil operates, you will spot it every time. If you know the truth, you will spot the lie. Unfortunately, what deception is, is believing the lie is the truth. 
But we're going to shed light on that today. We're not going there. We're going to say, caught your hand in the cookie jar, devil. We're not believing that one anymore. We're going to line up our believing with what the word of God says. And I, <laughs> I hope I'm shaking you up. I hope I'm getting you thinking. I hope you go to God and say, God, sort out for me any part of my believing that doesn't really line up with who you are. It's going to line up with the word of God, and it has to line up with the character of God in the new covenant. Do you know that there is a difference between the way God had to treat his people and interact with his people in the Old Testament, Old Covenant? But when Jesus says, I'm, came, he said, I make it all things new. I have a new agreement with you. No longer will I just be with you where you had to appear in a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire and talk from the mountain and, and do all these things in a physical realm. He says, no longer is that necessary because now I have a better covenant with you. Now I'm in you. Now I'm in you. I'm not just with you. Now I'm in you. So when we read about how God is with us, we can honestly say, God, you are in us. And it's a whole new deal. God's not mad at sin anymore. He already burned his wrath and punishment on Jesus because he said sin has to be judged because God is holy. And it can't coexist with a holy God. And so Jesus raised his hand and said, I'll take the punishment. Send me. I'll be beaten. I'll be rejected. I'll be shamed. I'll give my life for these impact women because you're worth it. And he gave everything he had. He was the only one who could to pay the price. But he wiped away our sins, ladies. You are no longer a sinner. You are righteous. Righteous because he gifted it to you, not because we could ever earn it. So Romans 12, 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, every woman that is among you, <clears throat> not to think of herself more highly than she ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every woman... Okay, you know I am helping us here this morning, right? Dealt to every woman the measure of faith. And I'm reading from the King James Version. Some of your versions will probably say a measure of faith, but I, in studying this out, the word should be the measure of faith. And it's two small words, and you think, oh, what's the difference? A measure, the measure. There's a big difference, isn't there? The measure is one measure. A measure could be a multitude of different measures. And it's sometimes I think we look at people who we just kind of put them up on a pedestal and say, wow, they must have big faith, great faith. Wow, look at the things that they do. Look how God answers their prayers. They must have gotten a bigger dipper full of faith. And maybe I was at the end of the line and God only had a little thimble for me. So now I have little faith and they have big faith because I only got a little. No, but this verse is saying, you got the same measure, the same measure, the same measure. And that makes all of us potentially great faith. But how much of our faith are we using? Maybe we're using a thimbleful of the great measure of faith that God has already given us. Does that help some of us kind of clean out our thought processes about faith? Because this, to me, was like, oh, yeah. Because the first thing that happens when answers of prayers may not come is the devil wants you to think, well, God's not going to answer your prayers. Who do you think you are? Susie Christian. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. Yeah. You think you're super cool. You're not. Well, all of a sudden, you're feeling discouraged and like, oh, this Christianity thing, I don't know. It's so much work. I'm so exhausted. I'm always trying to believe, trying to believe. I need more faith. God, please give me more faith. No more. You don't need more faith. We're going to learn how to exercise the measure of faith that we all received. If then you have Jesus, you have all the faith that you need. Did I miss a question? Nope. All right. Worksheet question number one. The problem is not that we don't have enough faith, but rather we may not know how to 
use our faith we already have. No way. Nope, that's not me. <laughs> Last time it was me. All right, we all need to change our ringtones, right? They all sound the same. That's funny. So the problem isn't that we don't have enough faith, but rather that we may not know how to use our faith. And that's what I'm hoping I can do, that we can all discover and journey together. How are we going to walk in the faith that we already have? Peter said that we have like precious faith with him. Second Peter 1.1, 1, 1, the same faith, that he was walking in, he raised people to life. He raised Dorcas from the dead. Um, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And a man who had been probably lame from birth walked that day. The same faith that Peter had. Because Galatians 2.20 says, I, and this is Paul speaking, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this is my physical body, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Oop. Okay, hold everything. The faith of the Son of God? You didn't just get faith. You got the same faith as Jesus the Son of God, worksheet question number two, then that means that we all have the faith of the Son of God in us. I can't wrap my mind around that, but we're going to try. The same faith that Jesus operated in, what did Jesus do? He healed. He delivered. There, there wasn't anyone who came to him, whether they were demon-possessed, or needed healing, or whatever the issue was, that Jesus turned away. He never said, oh, and they always went away healed or delivered or whatever, because that's Jesus' character. And if that's Jesus' character, it's God's character. And if that's God's character, then you can come to him and expect that you will never be turned away, and he would never withhold a healing. He would never withhold a blessing because he's already given it. We're possessing it today. We're possessing it today. We're learning how. So we don't have a faith problem or deficiency anyway because we had the measure of faith, the same faith and measure that Jesus had, and he walked on water. My husband and I sail, and I know, you know, raise your hand if you're tired of my sailing stories, but <laughs> there's a lot of analogies. But we, uh, a couple years ago, got ourselves in big trouble. Should have checked the weather. Should have talked to other sailors, more experienced. We were on our way to Mackinac Island. And it kind of started out a little bit, yeah, kind of iffy looking in the weather. But we just set out. We thought, we've got to get there today. We were in a hurry. Uh, number one rule in sailing, never be in a hurry. Never. Mm-mm, just not worth it. Because you're not going to get there fast anyway. But... We got to a certain place, and the wind picked up, and the waves began to pick up, and we were at a point of no return. Either we turn in there right now and find safe harbor, or we're just going to have to keep going. But what happened was is that we did not chart our path, our course accurately, and suddenly, right in front of us, we were about to run aground because who knew that in northern Michigan, suddenly you go from 65 feet of water to two feet. There's this big shoal. You know that. <laughs> and sailboats need a little bit more water than that. So we're looking at the GPS going, but what? Yeah, newbie mistake, bad mistake. Weather's kicking up. We've got to change our course now. And unfortunately, when we turned, we had to turn so that these waves were hitting us broadside. Not a good scenario for a sailboat. And I'm sitting on one end. My husband's on the wheel. I'm in the cockpit. And every time the waves came, I literally ended up leaning forward. We were healing. They call it healing over. Not keeling over. That's dying. Um, but healing over so much so that these waves were like eight and nine feet feet and some 10 footers in there. Not fun sailing weather. There were no other boats out on the water and now we know why. They were the smart ones. We were the dumb ones. And so we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. And we, we, we made our own bed. You know, we made some bad decisions. But my husband says this. He, he's on the wheel. He says, Karen, I don't know if I can do this. 
And I went, no, 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 no. You do not get to be afraid. No, no, no. That's me, and you're my savior. You're my strong, brave man. You can't say we can't do this. But we couldn't turn around. It was too dangerous. We had to keep going, but we had to figure out how we were going to somehow navigate this trouble that we had gotten ourselves into. And God, please help me remember why I'm telling the story. But anyway, so we're here, and my husband says that, and what came to me was, okay, we can command the wind and the waves. I know. We're going to do that. Jesus said that. So we did. We shouted. We were commanding. And suddenly I just said to my husband, you know what? We need to take this one wave at a time. Because what was, what was just battering us, we were like at the mercy of the waves. And he had to use brute strength to keep us from really getting just twisted and turned into the waves. And there's a certain... There's a certain dynamic that you do not want because you literally could be flipped over. Not so easily, but it can happen. Not a fun ride. And so he's trying to keep us as steady as he can. And I noticed, because as far as the eye could see, there were eight, nine, ten-foot waves. They weren't stopping. They didn't go away. <laughs> Peace be still, please. Kind of a begging prayer. Not really a commanding prayer, right? But... What happened was I said, okay, Bill, we just, let's just take this one wave at a time. And so I would tell him, okay, here comes one. He was ready. Okay, next one's coming. Okay, here comes a big one. Because it was like, it would be eight feet, eight feet, nine feet, ten. You know, it seemed like that third, fourth wave would be the one that just knocked you off your feet. And so he was ready for it. And we navigated. He says, okay, Karen, I need you to keep your eyes on the horizon. Do you know what? how far I can see without my glasses on? Not very far. And I'm going, what am I looking for? He says, look for the buoys because we have to stay between the red and the green buoys so we don't run aground. Okay, that's a really important job. Lord, help me to see. And suddenly I could see these little tiny crosses in the distance. And I thought, is that a buoy? What is that? And sure enough, it was, but I was able to help my husband navigate only by the grace of God. He gave me eyes to see that day. So did the wind and the waves go away? No. We were still in trouble, but God helped us to navigate through in a different way. Did he answer my prayer? Yes, he did. But I literally had a thought. And I said, I, I really believe this. This was coming out of my, my heart of hearts. I thought, if we need to, I believe that we're going to be able to step out of this boat and walk on water and get to safety. We didn't need to, but I thought, Peter did. Do I have the same faith as the Son of God? Do I have like faith like Peter? We do. We do. But we need to learn how to use it, don't we? So we got to safety. We did. We finally got way out there. We had to go way far from land to get around this shoal. And suddenly we found a shipping lane, and these huge freighters were going through. We thought, well, that's got to be deep enough. So we were able to turn our course, and the same waves that were battering us now were behind us, and we were propelled to our destination in record time. Do you know that what the devil meant for your harm in your life? God can and will turn it around for good. And so we rely on him. He's faithful. Do you know that Jesus said that it would only take a mustard seed of faith to tell a tree to jump in the lake? It doesn't take big faith, but what God calls great faith is pure faith without doubt. Finding your confidence in God, in God alone. You're going to have to ignore your senses, ladies, sometimes. You, we could see those waves. We could feel the force. The, it was terrible weather. The conditions were the worst I've ever been in. But with a mustard seed of faith, I believe that God is faithful and delivered us. Maybe not in the way that I thought. Maybe someday I can command the wind and the waves. Let's go there, right? So... Here's a good example, too, in Matthew 17. Yikes, i got to hurry. Okay, <laughs> we've got lots of questions here. All right, let me just say this. 
there's a strong deception of the devil to cause us to believe that we don't have enough faith. We don't have strong enough faith. It causes us to live at a lower level of receiving. So let's go to question number three. The key to learning how to use the faith we already have is this, to renew your mind with the word of God. To renew your mind with the word of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we aren't supposed to be conformed to the world's way of thinking. But the world's way of thinking is only limited and confined by our senses. If I can't see it, taste it, touch it, feel it, smell it, all those ones, um, hear it, then I can't believe it. But that's why I said, believers, we need to be operating in our sixth sense of faith. It's calling those things that be not just as though they already are. They become real to us first in the spirit realm, and then it becomes manifest in the physical realm. So we're learning how to wash our minds off with all the doubt and unbelief and limitations that we place on God. And God promises that we will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And see, today you are here getting your mind renewed. So praise God for that. Because we want what we think to line up with what God's word says so that our believing lines up with the truth and not with a deception or a lie. So we're in the process. I think we're always in that process. But we've got the, all the faith that we need. We're just learning how to walk in it. Number four says you are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a soul. See, your spirit, reborn, made new, has the life of Christ in it. Sometimes we've received teachings saying, make sure that you're exercising your spirit, man, so he's not weak. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think the spirit of Jesus is weak one single bit. And a third of you, because we're a three-part being, because that's the way God created us, when he breathed life, you had a spirit. You were, you were alive. When we step out of this shell, this physical body, we still live on. That's the part of you that never dies. But it's also the part of you that's reborn. And you are wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. There is no desire to sin in there. You are 100% on fire for Jesus because you have the spirit of Jesus himself living in you. What we're doing sometimes by saying, oh, I need to exercise my spirit because I'm weak. No, what we're really saying is I need to get my mind renewed. Because my mind's getting in the way and my mind is weak. My mind defaults to being limiting uh, to my senses and not uh, involving myself in the limitless God who said that nothing is too hard and nothing's impossible for him. So that's where we're renewing our minds because you see, if your spirit girl is, yay, God, all right, you can do this. We're going to trust God. God is mighty. God's fighting your battles. Go forward and be brave, girl. We can do this. And your mind's going, oh, I'm so afraid. And your body says, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm too tired. So guess what? The majority is two against one. Guess what's going to win out? Yeah, every time, every time. If your sense ruled, you'll allow that to overrule what your spirit is on fire and able and understands about the word of God. But if you line up your mind, your will, your emotions, we call it a soul, and now our thinking lines up and our believing lines up, and our spirit girl is already there, and now our mind and our will and our emotions are in sync with that, guess what? The body has no choice. It's got to line up two against one the other way. So we've got to be renewing our mind. We will live at a different level of what God has already provided, what we already have by renewing our minds. It allows faith to flow because it's the same faith of Jesus himself. Whew, these are good things. All right, let's move on. Got to move on. Here's a really cool quote from Andrew Womack. He said, in the same way that a car battery transfers its power to the starter through battery cables, so our minds are what allows this faith of God that is already in our spirits to flow into our physical bodies. If our minds are not renewed, then it's like having corroded cables. The power's there, but it won't flow. Likewise, we believers have the same faith that Jesus has, but it won't flow through us until we renew our minds through the word of God. Isn't that good? So, so let's address this again. When prayers are not answered, is it because we did not have enough faith? 
Oh, come on, I need to hear it. No. Because we're looking into the word to get our answers. So now I need to tell you my story. On May 3rd, I was pulled out of Thursday morning impact early, just before our speaker was getting up to speak. And I was told your father-in-law, who had already been in the hospital, that was not a surprise, had collapsed. And he was on CPR. I'm sorry, they had revived him, got his heart beating, but he was on life support. And I went from here directly to Metro Hospital. And there were doctors and nurses coming to us and saying, okay, you know, he's on life support. We're not quite sure where we're at, you know, with his vitals and so on, because right now they put him under very, very deep, so they didn't know. But they kept saying, you need to call your family. You need to gather um, we don't know if this is reversible. And the crazy thing was is that he had done so well in the hospital the week before. He was being tested to make sure he was well enough to go home, and he collapsed, and his heart stopped. Big surprise to all of us because he had nothing but good news that whole week. So now I get to the hospital, and my father-in-law fully intubated, life support, not breathing on his own. And people began to come, and we had kept getting bad news after bad news and done a little bit of research since then so now I even know how bad that news was because they said we're going to try and bring him out of the sedation and see if he responds and apparently there is a 10-point test that they do to test for brain activity and a legal term for death or dying or dead is brain dead and so that's why they test and it's like poke you here, look for dilation, you know, it's just simple little things. And the first test, he failed. And they said, well, okay, we're going to give him about 20 more minutes, get the sedation stuff completely out of his system, test it again. He failed. At that time, my brother-in-law asked a very brave question. He said, are you telling us that if you pulled the plug on life support right now that he would not live? And they said, yes, we're sorry, but that's exactly what we're telling you. And you have a few days to think about it, but you can go in four and five at a time and say your goodbyes. Well, I was kind of at the end of the line, but I saw that my husband had gone in before, so I kind of elbowed my way to the front of the line. I said, I'm going in. I'm going in. And there was something that's stern inside of me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. They just pronounced him dead. That's not okay with me. That's not okay with me. There was something so urgent in me. And we went, I went in there, and everybody's shock. You know, sometimes you just can't do anything. You're numb. And I looked around the room, and we're all believers. It was my husband, brothers, and wives, and my mother-in-law. And I just looked at him, and I said, we need to pray. We hadn't prayed. We hadn't prayed. We just kept getting bad news, bad news, bad news. Death, death, death. And so I... I had to close my eyes, ladies. I had to close my eyes to what I saw because he looked dead. There wasn't anything functioning in his body on its own. And I had to close my ears and say, I know what the doctors are saying, but God, I'm going to allow you to speak your word to me louder so that it's the only thing I'm thinking, the only thing I'm focusing on. I cannot, I cannot Allow those things to sway me from what I know the word of God says. You said that believers in my name will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I'm a believer, God. I'm not a special. I'm not special. I'm not pastor, faith. I'm just a believer in Jesus Christ. But that's enough. And that's something rose up inside of me. And I, I just had to close my eyes. I didn't know if anybody came with me or not, but I laid hands on my father-in-law. And I just simply said, we speak life. And we dare to believe your word that says, Dad, you are healed. You are whole. We speak to your brain. We command life. We command healing to rush through every part of your body. Body, line up. The word of God says that you are healed and you are whole. And we dare to believe your word in the face of all this bad news. And when I opened my eyes, 
Everybody had joined me, laying hands on Dad. Well, now what do you do? Nothing changed. It was my turn to leave, and somebody else's turn to come in. About 20 minutes passed by, and that group of people included my, my husband's uncle, big, loud man. And he went in there, and everybody was being really quiet. He walked in, he says, hey, Wally, your fishing partner's here. 20 minutes had gone by. And my father-in-law, eyes closed, went like this. And the doctors went, oh. Ask him something that he has to say no to. And you have to understand, my father-in-law, he is a jokester. He is always teasing. And he has running jokes with my mother-in-law. They've been married 63 years. And so my mother-in-law says, Wally. <laughs> That's Wally Waldhart. Isn't that a great name? <laughs> it's a nickname. All the Waldhart boys have been called Wally at one time or another. She calls him Wally. She said, um, do you love me? He shook his head. Eyes not open. Totally tubed up. Wires everywhere. And then she said, do you always love me? He went like this. That was their running joke. And then she said, do you like being in the hospital? And then he really shook his head. And in a matter of minutes, he began to squeeze our hands. In a matter of minutes, his eyes were open. And about an hour later, he's trying to talk and tell jokes with a tube down his throat. And now we know that he's responding. He's breathing on his own. His heart is beating on his own. They went, we don't need this life support. So by the end of the evening, 39 Waldhearts had gathered in ICU. Never saw so many people in ICU in my life, but they thought he was gone, so they were giving us extra grace and now he's alive and they're having to pull the tubes and everything and he's sitting there joking with everybody and I always say they pulled the tube he started talking and he never stopped he knew that he had a lease on life a new lease on life and my father-in-law is one of those guys who sat at home he was an armchair Christian because he watched church on tv and he had his own reasons and that's okay but I know he loved Jesus and he believed in Jesus because we had many, many talks. Now I have to finish my story. This past Monday, I'm on my way home from working. And I get a call and say, Dad is in trouble. The EMTs are there. And I was just a few miles away and I got there and they were performing CPR on my dad. And his heart had stopped again. He once was dead and was raised to life. Eight weeks went by, and we had the most amazing time with him. He knew it was a second lease on life. He, there's a song that says, live like you're, like you're dying. He lived to the, to the max. But what we knew is that his body was still very fragile. He had a very strange heart condition. Uh, and then there was uh, another condition that just together was a very, very difficult combination to treat. And we knew that. But I was there, and I've never seen CPR performed. And it was violent, but they were doing everything they could to save him. And my father-in-law did not have a living will. And if you know that, it's kind of the same thing when you are in the hospital, you get a a form called a DNR, do not resuscitate. And this is what happened. The first time he was in the hospital, he had just his protocol. Are you going to sign this form or not? And he said, after he was raised from the dead, in Jesus' name, we give God all the glory. It was a miracle. The doctors couldn't figure it out. He said, you're a lucky man. He said, oh, no, 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 no. It's the power of God. It's a resurrection power. He is alive from the dead. And we're going to give God that glory. We're not going to rob God from that glory. But he said to us, he said, I almost signed that form. I'm so glad I didn't. He was so glad to be alive. But during the course of those eight weeks, he was con con continuing to have some difficulties. And he over and over had said to my mother-in-law, he said, I don't ever want to go through that again. Did he sign a living will? Did he sign a DNR? No. But I think that was his living will. He was ready to go home. So we prayed again. I looked at my same sister-in-law and brother-in-law. I said, I have to pray. 
We have to pray. And we prayed in faith, ladies. We prayed with the same faith because God is faithful and God's word works every time. And if I don't believe that, then I can't believe any of it is true. And so we prayed and we said, it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And Lord, heal his body. Heart, start. We call you to life, not because we're so powerful, but because you are so good and you are the giver of life, dear Jesus. And we just prayed. Ten minutes later, they came and said, we're really sorry, but we have to pronounce him dead. You would think that my heart would sink, but let me tell you something, ladies. This might not have happened, but I really believe that God gave me a beautiful picture to hang on to. Because, yes, my father-in-law is no longer with us. Um, our first visitation is tonight. I'm actually doing the funeral tomorrow. So I covered your prayers. I will only do it not because it's easy, not because I do it to honor the man who's worth honoring. If I cry my way all the way through it, so what? Because I'll do it. I'll do it for the glory of God, and I will do it for Him. But <laughs> I would do coverage your prayers. <laughs> Thank you. But um, this is the picture that God gave me. There was such a peace. They just pronounced him dead, and I had peace. But I saw this happen. My father-in-law, young, vibrant, reunited with his daughter who died two years ago. His mother, his father, so many who came along. Thank you. And he's up there with Jesus. Where else do you go after you die, right? He's not floating around the room, ladies. He's a believer in Jesus Christ. He went to heaven. 30 minutes, he was in heaven. His heart didn't even show a spark. That's what they look for. It's almost like, okay, it's like a, an engine that's almost starting, never even blipped. He was gone. And we prayed in the name of Jesus. And I had this picture. Jesus went up to him and said, hey, uh, excuse me, Wally? Said, um, they're calling you back. And they're using my name. So, do you want to go back or do you want to stay? And this time he said, I'm staying. He was ready this time. It felt different. But we had to pray. Did our prayer not work? Oh, it worked. It works every time. But I do believe that someone's will has something to do with the outcome of that. Because I cannot overrule and overwhelm somebody else's rule and uh, will. And none of us can. So I believe he was ready this time. He was not ready last time by his own admission. This time he said, I never want to go through that again. He was ready to go home. And you know what, ladies? Death is not final. Death is but a doorway to your eternity. And so it's the beginning. It's not the end. And I love what Pastor Deb said to me because people have just been speaking beautiful words of comfort to me, and I so appreciate it because it's not like we don't grieve. It's not like we are not sad. But we celebrate him and where he is. And she said, you know, people think that when people die, they're in your past, but they're really in our future because we will be together again. Amen? Amen. Oh, my goodness, ladies. Can we get just through the, <laughs> I want you to have some discussion time. So let's keep moving here. Um, worksheet question number five. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power that the enemy possesses. And nothing shall by any means harm you. You know what? That's a really good verse to tuck into your mind. That's a really good one to renew your mind. You were given authority, the same authority as Jesus. You were given power, the same power as Jesus. You don't need more authority. You don't need more power. You need to use the power and authority that's already been given us. And it says that it is power and authority over all that the enemy possesses. He is not stronger than you. He is not stronger than God. He cannot be in control unless we give him that place or influence. You take authority over him. And we learn to not be beggars with God. We just command and receive what God has given us. See, with my father-in-law, it was no less a miracle. He got eight weeks to enjoy 
Father's Day, birthdays, recitals. I mean, he went to baseball games. He did it all. And we all had a chance to love on him, maybe like we've never done before, because the appreciation and love just grew exponentially because we knew we had almost lost him. So when we pray, we're not praying anymore for power and faith. I am exercising the faith, the power, and the authority that we already have. Worksheet question number six. Jesus said, in my name, you will do the same and even greater works than he did on earth. What? You will do the same and even greater works. You're going to have a chance to discuss that at your table. What does that look like? What did Jesus do that we now have power and authority and his name? And that's why that part of the story just blessed me so much because Jesus said, um, they're using my name. I got to honor my name. I gave him permission, legal right to use my name. He says, so do you want to go back or do you want to stay? I believe that. I know. Somebody's going to say, oh, isn't that nice? She's just comforting herself. That's a nice story. Good for her. I just, it's so real to me, ladies. It's so real to me. Anyway, <laughs> you're getting the overflow here, ladies. All right. But see, Jesus addressed great faith. And let me run through this very quickly. There were two times that Jesus, oh, you have great faith. He's not talking about great big faith. He's saying, wow, look at how you used your faith to believe. And one was a centurion who was a Roman centurion who had a servant who was dying. And he sent a messenger to Jesus and said, if you, uh, my servant lays uh, dying and um, I, I need you to heal him. And Jesus says, well, I'll come to, the, I'll come to his house. And, and the messenger said, no, 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 you don't have to come to my house because I know that you're a man of authority. I'm a man of authority. If I tell someone to do something, they do it. You are a man of authority. All you need to do is speak the word, and it will be done. And Jesus went, wow, that's exercising great faith. He had the measure of faith, but he used it all. <laughs> and that very hour, the servant was healed. The other one was a woman, the Syrophoenician woman, who was at the table with Jesus eating and she asked Jesus to heal her daughter. And Jesus made a comment that just didn't seem very nice, but something about, you know, the dogs. Sorry, I didn't look this one up very well. But what ended up happening, she said, well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall to the floor. So she wasn't a Jew, and Jesus addressed her as a Gentile, but she continued to believe in who he was. And he said, that is great faith. Funny thing was, neither one of these people who had great faith and in God's, Jesus' eyes, were uh, Jewish believers. They were, they were Gentiles. All right, worksheet question number seven. Righteousness is right standing with God, giving you the right to stand on every promise of God. Righteousness is right standing with God. That's a gift, ladies. You cannot earn that. But it gives you the right to stand on every promise of God. Don't ever think, oh, I'm not good enough to receive that. Because Jesus says that you are. He has made you able to receive that. See, what we are speaking, Jesus is saying, I'm giving you what's rightfully yours because I made that decision, not you. It's based on my goodness, not on your goodness. And this is how you get to live in that level of blessing. The next uh, two weeks from now, don't have that date in my head, in July, our next lesson is going to be called Commanders, Not Beggars. And we're going to talk about praying the prayer of faith, that we're no longer begging for something that's already ours. We're learning how to receive it. And God will be honored if you will command it to be so because you're receiving what he paid so great a price. Okay. Ooh. All right. Thank you. Yes, thank you. All right, let's go through worksheet question number eight. Release faith to believe that you already possess all the faith you need. <laughs> I challenge you. Release faith to believe that you already possess all the faith that you need. And our last worksheet question, <laughs> I double dog dare you to. I double dog dare 
dare you to pray an impossible prayer, but believe in a God who specializes in the impossible. That way we receive everything that is already ours. Okay, ladies. I talked a little long this morning. <laughs> Let's take about the next 15 minutes, would you please? Um, if you're at a table alone or just two or three, why don't you join another table? Because it's more fun when you're with more girls. Let's have at least five at every table, four or five, okay? All right, if you wouldn't mind picking up, just moving over. Um, but your, your discussion questions are on the back. Um, and just share together. Make sure everybody gets a chance to share if they're, if they're wanting to. And we'll close in about 15 minutes.